0: Welcome to another edition of Shark City Unfiltered. I'm your host, Aaron James. I am extremely honored to introduce a very special guest on tonight's show. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. He is enshrined in the Southie Sports Hall of Fame. He advocated for the construction of the Shark Tank. He covered the Southie Sharks for the Mercury News and coined the term Los Tiburones. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the legendary Mark Purdy. Mark how are you doing tonight?
1: <laughs> please I am definitely not as awesome as my as the way you introduced me and I and it was a very dramatic music at the beginning and I'm not sure I'll be able to live up to the drama um, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you having me on and I still enjoy talking hockey and particularly sharks hockey and I I have to correct you yes I did win a Pulitzer but it was with a bunch of other people for our coverage of the 1989 uh world series earthquake so i always say i won one like hundredth won one 100th of a pulitzer but i'm still claiming it right but right. i have to i have to uh make that make that note but uh, fair enough Yeah. so it's july it's a great time to talk hockey isn't it it's just a great time to talk hockey
0: yes it is uh i am aware that you did it with uh, a team and i was going to do that a little bit later but yes let's show respect to the rest of the crew that was part yeah. of that award-winning story absolutely Yeah. yeah so, Mark, you're a man who needs no introduction. But for the fans that are new to the Sharks territory, Mark Purdy provided some of the absolute best coverage in San Jose Sharks hockey during his time with the Mercury News, and he's also credited as being one of the driving forces behind turning San Jose into a major league sports city. So, Mark, I would like to begin the conversation by asking, now that the SAP Center is approaching its 30th anniversary season, how does it feel looking back at everything that was done into getting the Shark Tank in downtown San Jose?
1: Wow. Um, okay. That, yeah, we could talk about that if you want. I don't want to bore people with this cause I know, you know, most people or probably many of the, of your listeners, um, weren't familiar with how it all happened and I don't want to go into all the details, but, um, we could I get the cliff notes version. Yeah. When you, when you, when you, <laughs> you contact me the other day, I, um, that was very nice of you. Thanks. And I, and I appreciate being on the show. Uh, I think I, I sent you a photo. You said, do you still, you know, care about hockey and all that. And I send you a photo. I, I have in my uh, study here at home, I have a uh, uh, groundbreaking shovel from the arena in 1990 <laughs> that the mayor's office gave me because uh, I guess they thought the obnoxious columns I wrote about that uh, played a small part in in getting that project done. I think the, but to sum up, Uh, probably many of your listeners don't realize how close San Jose was to not having an arena. It had to go to a public ballot in 1988 and, uh, and all the polls showed it was trailing. Um, But mayor Tom McHenry at the time really stuck his neck out and really campaigned hard for it. I wrote a bunch of obnoxious columns saying, look, this is a, this is the time when San Jose has to decide whether it wants to be a city or a suburb. And uh, do you, you know, cities have arenas like this where the residents can go and enjoy stuff there. Concerts, sports, whatever. And, uh, and fortunately enough uh, the voters bought that and uh, passed it. And But only then, the arena was not built for the Sharks. The arena was built, and that that's pretty amazing that the citizens here decided to go for it with no team uh, guaranteed them. But once the project passed, then Mayor McHenry was able to go out uh, with his staff and see about well, what can we get a team to move here? And they checked the NBA, they checked the NHL, and lo and behold, the NHL was ready to expand. And uh, there was—I'll uh, make it real quick. There was a guy. I went. <laughs> there was a guy in Hollywood named Howard Baldwin who had owned the uh, Hartford Whalers and gotten out of hockey. He wanted to get back in. So I was down in LA uh, covering baseball, and I called this guy up and s- drove over to his office on Rodeo Drive and uh, said uh, so i hear you want to bring hockey to san jose what this what is that about and um he did and he he had done his research and he had he he decided san jose was the place for it so he got the city to agree uh, to make him the exclusive uh potential owner of a nhl franchise in san jose problem was that uh the gund brothers who had owned the california seals hockey team and subsequently ended up owning uh, after that franchise moved and moved, ended up owning the Minnesota North Stars. Then they jumped in and said, No, you can't give any expansion franchise in the Bay Area to Howard Baldwin because we still own the Bay Area market. And uh, so it looked for a while like it was going to get caught up in all this bureaucratic bullshit, I guess I can say on a podcast, right? But then. Mr. Baldwin, uh, I remember called up, called me up, and said, uh, "Mark, I have the global solution to this problem." <laughs> the global solution—what does that mean? Well, the, the solution turned out to be he traded the rights to San Jose to uh, the Gun Brothers in return for him buying the North Stars, um, which he subsequently sold to a guy named Green, and they moved to Dallas. Uh, so the Gun Brothers ended up with the Bay Area market. But uh, they also looked at Oakland and San Francisco, but only San Jose was building an arena. So it was fortunate the citizens decided to do that, and the Gun Brothers signed a deal with the Sharks, and that's how the Sharks uh, signed a deal with San Jose rather, and that's how the NHL came to San Jose. Um, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know how many people, young people, care about that now. I think they've just always assumed they could go to a Sharks game in in San Jose, but it was it was close to not happening. That vote didn't pass by a whole lot, but um, it makes your your original question was how does it how does it look 30 years on? And uh, you know what? It makes me I'll tell you what makes me feel good, Aaron. And then I'll shut up uh, is when I go to a Sharks game and I walk around the concourse and I see people from all over San Jose and the South Bay and the Bay Area walking around with their families, with their buddies with their you know their bachelorettes with the who with, you know people from people who are that concourse kind of becomes like a town square between periods right and you walk and you see all the different people different kinds of people that live here in the bay area and see them enjoying themselves in an event like a sharks game um, that's 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 what makes me feel good
0: okay mark thank you for sharing that okay i just want to say this right off the back first and foremost um in terms of you know your comments with the young people and not sure if there'd be any interest in the story i firmly believe that San Jose sharks fans no matter what the age is especially today with digital content and everything out there they just always want more and what we rarely hear these days are these stories from individuals who also play their part in bringing san Jose hockey here to the south bay so we are honored to have you on the program um. There is nothing you'll say tonight that will not be interesting to the audience. I promise you. Okay. okay. Um,
1: right. So well, thanks. I, I, you're making me blush. But yes, thanks. Yeah. I, I think it's important for people to know that stuff because stuff doesn't just happen. You know, people have to get involved. And I, and I, you know, there were a lot of people besides Mayor McHenry and myself who worked to make this happen. I want to make that clear, too. And, uh, you know, it, it just it just makes me feel good. And isn't it amazing, Aaron? Now it's the second oldest arena in the league. <laughs> right yes in calgary you know it's it's crazy it's just crazy it is
0: um it actually it's kind of ironic because you know the shark tank has kind of been subject to some of the you know, conversations going on with um you know some of the projects going on downtown and a lot of questions in terms of you know um how all that may affect the games or you know i not going to dive too much into that tonight because yeah. um But I I feel you, you know, um, there is kind of like it's rare that people, you know, take a step back and realize that, you know, we didn't always have the tank. And, hey, you know, even though the Sharks have been here for going on their 33rd year now in the league, um, you know, and we've obviously enjoyed plenty of seasons, which I hope we get to talk about in a little bit. um, You know, it's it hasn't always been there. And again, I find true value in hearing the people who are there, you know, ground zero or groundbreaking in your case with this uh great award and you know um it's just an honor again to have you so
1: oh please that's very much thank you yes mark so let's let's let's, talk. yeah yeah. let's talk yeah what do you mean i'm curious to see and that's the other part of you ask what is it like looking back and i'm kind of curious to see how the story ends i'd hoped before i died i'm 71 years old that i would see a stanley cup in san jose i'm still holding out hope but (laughs) um you know it's it's no matter what, it's been it's been a gas to have that team here and uh, uh, you know the the storylines they provided for me as a journalist were, were terrific. And uh, I, I just as I would as I would cover all those playoff runs, Aaron and the you know and the, <laughs> the and, and not every player and I got along, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't like what he wrote, which was fine. Some did, which was fine. Um, but I'd go to the playoffs and these guys say, are you going to write that, you know, this is crap. I said, look, I'm just, you're writing the story. I'm just transcribing, just write me a different ending than we've, we've had, right? Which okay. Is, yes, you absolutely. know, which is we go kind of far in the playoffs and then, then you guys lose, you know, and I have to write that year after year. Let's say, and then one, one year, I remember that the year they did make the finals and, um, it was the same and your, your listeners may remember this, it was a lot of, it, that was that was a great couple of months because the Warriors were also going to their the NBA Finals. So like every other night, you had either the Sharks or the Warriors playing and they were both on the track. And uh, so at the beginning of that, I had to choose, well, do I wanna write about hockey and follow the Sharks through this journey or do I wanna write about the Warriors? Fortunately, I had another columnist at the Mercury News, Tim Kawakami, who loved the NBA and really, knew the nba and wanted to do that and i said well you know I, i'd like to because i want to see how the story ends right so i'm gonna stay with the nhl so i'm in at the uh, so at the start of all this i'm in the uh, dressing room one day and brent burns comes up and goes so you're gonna you're gonna cover us instead of the warriors in the spring and i said yeah you know i'd, I'd rather do that and uh you know i just want to see you know how this ends and just promise me uh, I would always say this to them every year. Promise me you'll you'll win enough playoff games and stay alive long enough so I don't have to cover the NFL draft. Because one of the things <laughs> I hated covering, I hated covering the NFL draft. It's the biggest bunch of, you know, baloney and mm-hmm. you know, wor- meaningless words and everything. And, uh, and Brent says to me, well, I don't know when the NHL draft is, but we're going to be playing a long time. I said, okay, you, you promise. And they made it all the way to the finals, which was – you know, so it became kind of a running joke through the through the playoffs, like you're still alive, you know, I don't and I you made you you, you prevented me from the draft in an NFL draft. So I you know, I owed him that way. Anyway, um, Okay, so I,
0: speaking was, speaking of your um you know, your writing a lot of a lot of fans, especially some of the newer fans, may not be aware of this, but you and I'm just declaring this right now. You coined the term "Los Tiburones." So, yes, in your own words, can you tell us what it was like seeing the phrase, which wasn't always popular, yeah. go from print to practice jersey?
1: <laughs> that was very bizarre, and you know, I don't like coined the phrase. It's, it's the Spanish <laughs> translation for the sharks, right? It's you know, it, it didn't seem to be. I'll tell you how it happened. I'll try to make it quick. So. Uh, so i mentioned okay that so there was no team coming to uh, there was no guarantee there was a team going to play in the arena so finally san jose and the nhl and the gun brothers signed this deal okay we're gonna have a we're gonna have a team but then nobody knew what the name was going to be for a while and they had a contest and they you know and and finally they have a i don't know if it was a, they even had a press conference or they just put out an announcement okay the team's going to be called the sharks so, um, I got to write a column about that, but I, you know, how do you write a column about the a team nickname being announced? Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the office and, uh, as you're, as, as a hockey fan and as your listeners who are hockey fans know, a lot of teams have secondary nicknames like the Montreal Canadians or les have in French, right. The Habs and, uh, the Oilers are the oil. And so, I, so I'm thinking, well, okay, so we got a nickname, but, don't have a team but uh what what you know maybe they would kind of have the secondary nickname and a guy named pedro gomez was working uh, at the mercury news at that time who later went on to uh, be a really great baseball writer and and worked for espn a long time covering baseball for them sadly he's passed away but anyway so pedro's in the office and i said well if in montreal uh, you know the second language there is is french and they so they called him the Habitants, the haves. I said, You know, San Jose is a Spanish name. What's, I said to Pedro, what's the Spanish word for sharks? And he said, Los Tiburones. And I said, That's it. You got it. <laughs> and uh, so I think from that very first column, I referred to them on second reference or third reference as, you know, the beloved Los Tiburones. And um, you're right, a lot of people hated it. <laughs> But I kept using, I kept pounding it and I would get, it was so funny. I'd get like emails or back in the day letters saying, you know, you should only use English. You, you know, you, oh the, the, the sharks, They're calling the sharks, the English. And so I would always respond, well, okay, that's fine. If you can get people, if you can get the, uh, you know, the city to change its name to St. Joe, <laughs> 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 then we could call the St. Joe sharks, but it's San Jose. So it should be, let people put on this to San Jose, you know? and um and it was just kind of fun to play with and and more people hated. it and then all of a sudden uh one year how long was that Go, like uh 20 about 2015 or so mm-hmm. the sharks called me up scott emmerer the shark called me up and said hey guess what we're thinking of doing a las Tiburones night and and uh having las Tiburones jerseys and and uh, do you you know do you object i said well i don't i don't think you know it's not my place to object all it is is, can you copyright a translation i don't think you can i said that'd be great the only thing i'd ask is uh i'd like a, would like a jersey you know (laughs) and um
0: did they give uh, you a jersey that was like practice quality or was it a jersey
1: (laughs) well the (laughs) first the first year it was a jersey oh my goodness it was the giveaway it was the giveaway jersey that was okay the second year, then it happened to be like after I'd retired, and they did a very nice thing. Um, they asked me to drop the puck on Los Tiburones night, which I agreed to do only if the guy who designed the jersey, uh, who was a really cool guy uh, and also happened to be of Latino heritage, uh, and I, I said, if I can drop it with him, I won't. I don't want to do it by myself, but if I can drop it with him, because he deserves credit for this stuff too. And so they um, they <laughs> they had us go out and and drop the puck. And that night, um, the Sharks gave me one of the real, you know, lusty Tiburones jerseys, which I still have. But every year when they have that promotion, I ping them if I'm not attending the game myself. I do share season tickets with three other guys, so I'm at like ten or eleven games. Uh, if I'm not. And I I ask him give me a copy of the promotional jersey so I have those all lined up in my closet. Nice. Um, uh, But yeah, you know I, I, you know I'll admit it's pretty it's pretty fun. And I will say, whenever I'm walking around and I see people wearing those jerseys, uh, I'll I'll stop and point to them go like I love your jersey. (laughs) jersey." (laughs) I don't think they know who I am. (laughs) They go oh thanks (laughs) you know love that jersey you know. what because, a feeling. Uh, yeah because you know it's just it's fun it's just, going to sports is supposed to be fun it's fun to have have that part of the uh franchise be uh recognized you know because it, it, the the city does have a spanish name and, and uh, of course a lot of latino people live here uh, mm-hmm. people of Latino heritage and uh i'm included just by the okay. way i'm included okay. so. well yeah well uh, gracias for uh, bringing that up and uh you know i it, it I, I I hope people take it with the spirit as intended, which is this is part of the city's mojo, and it's fun, and, you know, viva los tiburones, right?
0: Absolutely, Mark. I mean, it's part of Sharks uh, fan culture uh, mm-hmm. at this point. So yeah. um, now that we've covered your contributions to the hockey scene here in the South Bay, let's talk about some of those sounds at Sharks teams. Um, oh, boy. First, sure. I- I'll keep it – I'll do, uh, you know – uh, an easy one here. Uh, what was it like being at those pressers and locker rooms and everywhere else in between with some of the greatest players in Sharks franchise history?
1: Well, I, you know, I grew up, uh, Aaron. I grew up in the Midwest uh, with um, minor league hockey. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio that was kind of halfway between Fort Wayne, where the Fort Wayne Comets played, and the and Dayton, Ohio, where the Dayton Gems played when they were in the International Hockey League. And so, you know, I knew. I knew hockey. I didn't. I, I had not really covered it in deep. I'd covered hockey games, and I, I, you know, I covered. I feel blessed. I covered the most exciting, greatest hockey game ever, in my opinion. In the you know the nineteen eighty Winter Olympics game in Lake Placid, where the USA upset the uh, Soviet Union. The Miracle um, on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Yeah, it was. That was an, a really remarkable place That's to be amazing. that night. Yeah. Well, I'm really old, Aaron. No, so, no no okay, so no I'm not, not having fun not it, trying to make that point
0: but yes thank you for having fun but i just curious yeah. since you bring that up how 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 were you covering that event and in what capacity
1: i was working and then in, in, in cincinnati at the cincinnati Inquirer. Mm-hmm. uh i was been 26 some years old and uh they sent me to the winter olympics you know um it was uh, which was my first olympics incidentally i covered 14 olympics so that was the first one and what a first one to cover with that and uh So that was, you know, we could do a whole show on that. But, Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, your question though, was about, you know, covering the sharks. So I, I knew hockey, but I didn't know hockey personnel. I didn't know people that well. And so that very first year, I, uh, very first season, I, uh, joined a hockey NHL fantasy league. So I would get to know, you know, the league and the players and, um, my i knew some uh canadian hockey writers through like covering the olympics and covering different stuff and they said well you're going to love current hockey because these guys you know they're really honest and accountable and they really you know you know many of them are from small towns in canada They might not be the most you know they didn't go to college and study uh you know european history and they're not gonna you know it's it's interesting you can tell, like, particularly in a baseball locker room or in a football locker room, you know, the guys that went to college and really got into something. Hockey players just are all kind of, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know. They have an ethic that's uh, that I was told I would come to admire, and I did. But they said, you know, keep your notebook out at all times and you'll learn stuff. And that made sense to me. So, um, uh, you know, that first Sharks team had – all kinds of different people mm-hmm. uh, that uh, fr- that were kind of the leftovers from some teams, and then some of them were from that Minnesota franchise that the Guns had previously owned. And uh, yeah, our
0: franchise so, is not as fortunate as some of these newer ones. That's for sure.
1: That's exactly right. You know that, but that, but the Sharks. We could talk about that too. The 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 Gun Brothers negotiated themselves into a less position because they were convinced because they'd own that Minnesota franchise that, uh, you know, that they had developed, they had in their system some great players. So the deal they cut with the NHL was okay, we'll give up the first draft pick, which was going to be Eric Lindros if you give us like basically half the Minnesota farm system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that turned out to be a really bad decision because they didn't get that many guys from that that Minnesota farm system that became gr- great NHL players. I think maybe the only one you would say would be Archer Zerbe. Mm. Uh, but, but, you know, there were some good players and good guys. Rob Zettler was in that group, uh, Neil Wilkinson, uh, but there's a guy named Link Gates, Do you know, that name who was a complete, uh, you know, yes. Okay. Yes. Right, Yes. Who, uh, uh, I remember when they, when they announced these, these are the guys from Minnesota were getting the charge chief scout, Chuck Grills. This guy's the meanest guy in hockey. I said, well, I got to write about him. And I found out, yeah, he'd shot out a church window somewhere. And he, he, he you know, it was so he, uh, but he became a fan favorite. Right. And uh, he, uh, and, and so walking through that door and here's what I found is if you were around and you could start a conversation with these guys, um, you are going to find out interesting stuff. And, um, you know, those early teams, there. Were, I don't think there was a superstar, right? The first superstar they ever really had was, was Patrick Marlowe. Mm-hmm. And Patrick was so young when he came here, Aaron. It was just, uh, you know, and he was so good, but he didn't realize how good he was because he was a kid. And you could tell he was a little, you know, on edge. And I don't say intimidated, but you know, in, in the culture of hockey, you know, the young guys have to the, defer to the veterans. And and the and the and the and in the culture of hockey, people will take runs at them. Right? I mean, I know whenever some of these young guys come up now for the Sharks. You know, other guys in the league are going to take runs at him, right? I mean, remember mm-hmm. what happened to Thomas Scherdel, where he scores four goals, and the next thing you know, they're they're running at him, and they end up, in fact, injuring him, right? Right. Um, so, um, uh, Patrick, uh, once once he realized that yes, I am six foot three or six foot two or whatever, and I can compete, you know, then you could. It was it was really interesting to watch him mature in that, but, but that first, those first couple of years, Darryl Sutter was the coach and Darryl was not one to coddle anybody. And um, I remember he would scratch Patrick a lot and including, I remember one, this is how young Patrick was, right? And because I think he was 17 when he first showed up at camp, he turned 18 right before regular season started, but uh, there's a, there was a playoff game in St. Louis and, and Patrick was scratched because he just you know he was he wasn't ready to play at that level in the playoffs and he's sitting in the press box before the game playing the uh game boy <laughs> oh, wow. you know yeah you know and i said uh so what's more interesting that or you know playing the game he said, oh i'd like to play in the game <laughs> right but meanwhile he's it was it was so apparent he was an 18 year old kid doing that uh and i have to say getting to know Patrick over all those years he played with the team and the, you know, especially uh, as the team got better and, and uh, you know, made the playoffs and then he went to the Olympics a couple times and I was there covering them in the Olympics and really kind of got to know him there because uh, away from the Sharks, you know, there's this dynamic in the locker room. Nobody wants to, you know, it isn't like some other sports where, a guy will step out and say, "Yeah, I'm the guy, right? Everybody right. kind of has to fit into the hockey culture. And so Patrick, it was hard to draw stuff out of him, but you get him away from that, like at the Olympics, and he was more willing to open up, I think. and I and I and I always he he was he was not the most colorful quote. He was not, you know, a great storyteller. But if you stuck with him and you found the right questions to ask, he educated me a lot about hockey. I remember one time when the rules changed after the strike and they were going to have, uh, the idea was to showcase uh, the skills of these guys more. Uh, I asked Patrick, I said, okay, can you sit down and we'll watch some tape and you tell me like what you'll be able to do this year, this season that you won't be able to do on that because the nhl had sent out a tape that okay this is the way we're going to call games now and that was a really instructive uh thing for me to sit there and have a guy of that caliber explain okay here's what i can do now i can't do this i can't have to do this and uh i always appreciate that uh uh you know you as as a journalist you know you're not a fan but you admire and respect uh, someone professionally. Uh, and that was, that was, uh, that was, I think the kind of relationship I developed with Patrick and other guys too, you know, um, every guy has his own quirks, you know, Joe Thornton, I always appreciate about him is like at, at the, at, after every game, no matter what happened, he was always at his locker. He was always at his locker, sometimes undressed, you know, <laughs> right? How'd you get, how'd you get out of your, uniform that quickly, right but, good, uh, but, but you know he wanted to get that out of the way, <laughs> which was good was good but you know if you expect we were on a deadline um and he would be ready you know so you better be ready joe's gonna be ready to talk right after the game and you better have your questions ready and, and uh, that um and joe uh you know if you get him going on the topic you wanted to talk about he was you yeah, know he was really good too I'm really happy he's chosen to make his home uh, here in San Jose um, uh, at least semi-permanently and uh it would be, be really it's great that he decided to, to do that because i think that'll that'll help the organization and because I know he can't stay away from the rink right and uh and being around town that'll be good too but the, the guys i you know those are those are the two superstars right we we had here in San Jose but um you know the characters i i'm gonna remember are of course those guys but also guys like link gates or um you know a guy like uh, uh sean burr i don't know if you remember him or or mike mm-hmm. vernon's going in the hall of fame mike yes. vernon the goalie uh and he was he was a real character and an interesting guy too uh, i remember we're in, we were in japan the sharks opened the season in japan once and uh, uh they had to go through some ceremony at the embassy <laughs> and uh had to break open a sake bucket or something, and and they chose Mike Vernon to be the the guy who was going to break the thing. So he's standing there, and they got he's got this big like ribbon, like you know, round ribbon with the thing, and and uh, they put on it for the ceremony. And I walk into the place, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he goes like, "I think I want a pie eating contest." <laughs> this ribbon, right? Uh, and that was also the trip where, uh, you know, another guy I got to know pretty well was Mike Rathjeet. Do you remember him? And yes. Because he, he'd been here. He was here for a long time. And he went through an interesting journey as a player. Uh, and that was – there were only a couple times, so I almost uh, – I was worried about physicality. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and one was that trip because Mike had chosen not – he had held out for his contract. So he didn't make the trip over there, but he signed like while the team was over there. So he flew there on his own to meet up with him. And I had written something about what a bad idea it was for him to hold out. And, he, you know, he, he must have gotten bad advice or and took it, taken it or he just doesn't understand why it's a bad idea to hold out in this situation. I can't, I can't remember all the details. Sometimes it's a good idea to hold out, but this was not. Anyway, so we walk, I walk. I walk into an Irish bar in Tokyo and uh, with Vic Chi, who was covering the team at that time. And he I said, how do you know where an Irish bar is in Tokyo? He knew. So we go in and oh, no, there's like six or seven sharks in there. Never like to go a place where the players are, you know, having their fun because they're allowed to do that on their own. And I don't you know, they don't need me there to, you know, maybe write about something they don't
0: right understood you know
1: what i'm saying yeah so but we go in there and say well let's just sit down and have a drink you know okay so we'll have we're sitting in the car and a guy named joe murphy was on the team and he wore a kimono it was crazy and but now ratty walks in mike mike walks in and he comes down and sits next to me in this booth and he just starts like elbowing me and and you know sitting next to me you know hi rat how you doing i want a beer he goes like you gotta stop writing that." Shit about me, you know, and I said, okay, we can talk about that man to man. I'll just do that. But, you know, what exactly did I write that you object to? He goes, well, I didn't, I didn't read it, but Drew Ramenda told me that, <laughs> that oh, you snap. wrote this. I said, Drew told you. I said, look, Mike, I have two rules that I like. Mike, I took I have two rules. I'm happy to talk about in you write about somebody. Um, you know, I die if you have something you object to. But the second rule is you got to read it first <laughs> right and uh um so uh we you know it it was okay after that and remained okay i think mike still is in town i don't see him as much as i used to obviously i've been retired um but you know you you what you hope to do is develop such a relationship with these guys so that they respect you professionally because I certainly respect them professionally. And uh, and along the way, you get to write some really interesting stuff about interesting people. Um, but you've also got to learn this, Aaron. I'll tell one more quick story about how I learned, you know, hockey players will lie to you <laughs> about <laughs> injuries, particularly about injuries, right? They will lie to you about injuries. Right. And so uh, there's playoffs one year. Jeff Friesen was their leading scorer, and if you remember Jeff Friesen, and Jeff Friesen was a really good player. Yeah, and he had been thirty-nine.
0: League. He ended up going he, to New Jersey and winning the cor-
1: Cup. Correct. And uh, so he had been leading team scoring, but in the playoffs, he was not doing really great at all. He mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't put the puck in the net for a reason. He wasn't skating well, and so um, I I'm going to write this column about that and the shark can't win unless this guy picks it up and starts scoring right but i believe strongly if you're going to do something like that you'd you know you go to the player first and or whoever you're writing about coach and um say look this is what i'm seeing tell me your side of this and particularly tell me if you're hurt you know is the, is an injury affecting this? I I don't need to write exactly what the injury is, or even even maybe write you have an injury, but it's gonna. It, I need to know to try to be fair to you. And so I went to Jeff and I said, you know, what's the deal? Why aren't you scoring? And and he, you know, get bucked up and said, oh, well, I, I need to do better. I said, well, listen, you got you, Jeff, you got to tell me if you're hurt. If you're hurt, uh, you know, I can cut you a break on this, and people need to know, and or I can kind of right between the lines of, and let people know. And he said, no, 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 I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm sure whatever you write will be, you know, merited. You know, I'm just not doing it. And blah, 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 blah. So I do write the column. Uh, you know, sharks can't win unless this guy picks it up. And he's not, he's, He's. I don't know if he's sticking up the joint, but he's, he, the sharks need more from him and he's not giving it to him. And, you know, he needs to be called for account called account for that so um sharks end up losing that series and again this is another cautionary tale right so after the elimination game it was at home um one of my friends said "Let's go down to henry's high life and you know have a beer season's over and uh, uh okay yeah all right you I know mean, i'd rather get home but okay sure so we go in there and again <laughs> too many sharks are in the place and um I think Brian Marchmont, who's another interesting character, is like behind the bar, tending bar. Yes, yeah, the late and, uh, great yeah. Brian Marchment, so, by the way. Yeah, and so Sean Burr, who was on that team uh, and was a character and a big physical guy and would, you know, was, he'd, he'd like to scrap. Uh, and um, so I'm, it's packed and I'm kind of over in the corner of the beer and Sean Burr walks up to me, gets right in my face, says, Why do you write that crap about Jeff Jeffreys? You know that was really unfair. And don't you know he's hurt? <laughs> I said, "Sean, I asked, go to go at, I asked him if he's hurt. He said he wasn't. You know, right? You can go ask him. You know." And Sean <laughs> says to me, "Don't you realize we're go, we're going to lie to you about that every time?" <laughs> yes. I said, "Well, you know, I didn't write that down in my notebook, Sean. But now I w- I'll realize I won't." you know, I'll, I'll realize I, I can't trust you guys. He goes, no, you can't trust us. And then fortunately Jeff saw what was going on and he came over and said, no, Sean, you know, things are cool. Um, you know, uh, so I learned that, right. That's part of the hockey code too. And, uh, I think what a lot of people don't, a lot of fans don't realize when they are critical and I, I was, you know, I was critical when I needed to be, I thought, um, is that, you know, the, the coach there's always more going on than you than you know right and it was it was frustrating for me to not be able to dig a lot of that stuff up because they do keep particularly injuries keep it tight lipped. but if you if you're around the team enough and the guys covering the team now who i respect are you know will will get the story eventually um but you gotta you gotta be there and you gotta You know this is why uh you know it's important to have that access and and get to know these guys so that they can trust you or or not trust you but just being around you just learn a lot more and um one time believe it or not the the paper when this was in this this is in uh 95 maybe team was going really bad and my boss said look take a week don't write anything just go be with the team for a week find out what's really going on and i was amazed that you know if you are around and are trusted people will tell you stuff uh, uh on background that will will help you and you know in that particular <laughs> this is one of the wildest shark stories ever um on opening night of that season um the the, the front office was in disarray there the dean lombardi was was one of they, they called it the three-headed monster they didn't have a general manager, but Lombardi had some title. Um, uh, uh, Art Savage had a title, and he was kind of the business guy. But he he was one of the three guys. They all reported to George Gunn. It was a terrible setup. And um, uh, Chuck Grillo, who was the chief scout, and not the best guy. All right. Well, it turned out Grillo had been backbiting Lombardi, and Lombardi found out that he he got some of Grillo's emails criticizing Lombardi in other words he was Grillo wanted to run the whole team um, and so he was he was criticizing Lombardi in these emails he sent to the owner and somebody sent the copies of those emails to Lombardi and Lombardi blew up this is opening opening day the day of opening night okay
0: yeah that's and the time Lombardi, the you want to be out there on opening night for sure that,
1: well so well Lombardi so Lombardi just blows up and says I effing quit and he drives home he goes home and, um, uh, you know, may have a drink or two and as, as he gets even more upset. So on opening night, as the, uh, the fans are streaming in, um, uh, George Gunn, the owner, and Art Savage, who was the team president, in addition to be one of the three-headed monster guys that was running the team, they have to leave the arena as fans are streaming in and drive to Lombardi's house and talk him out of quitting. <laughs> And so that set the tone for that season. This was the to—it was the season where Kevin Constantine got fired.
0: Yeah, I believe in that front, was one in of, front of the of, worst. In front,
1: yeah, in, uh, front of Pat, in front of Patty's Inn, <laughs> which is another story where, I know, Lombardi <laughs> says, let's go for a drive. And they get up down there in front of Patty's Inn. And Lombardi starts talking. And Kevin goes, are, are you firing me? Because if you're firing me, I'll just get out right now <laughs> out of the wow. car. And Lombardi goes. Uh, well, um, yeah, was, we feel we need to make a change. And Lombardi gets, or uh, Kevin Constantine gets out. Of the, he was, uh, you know, the coach, the first Sharks playoff coach. Right? He, he gets out of the car, and I think he walked into Patties and had a beer and then cleaned out his office and left. Um, but you learn that stuff by getting people to trust you, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and tell, and trust you to tell their stories correctly and with some, uh, you know, sensitivity. Um, and, uh, and so I felt fortunate, felt very fortunate that a number of players and coaches, uh, even, even in the most tense times, you know, when Ron Wilson left <laughs> his last, his last words to me, cause I had written something that said, you know, it's probably, you know, it's probably time for the Sharks to think about finding a new coach. And, um, uh, but you always show up the next day, right? You don't run away from it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the last, so Ron and I pretty much had it out in his office. And the last words he's, you know, he said to me were F you, you know, and I think the last words I said to him were, well, F you too, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the next time I saw him, um, I think was at the Olympics in Vancouver. Would that match up right? And uh, and he was coaching the USA team. And um, he, he walks into the room. It's like a press conference. And he walks in. And I'm in the front row. And he sits down. He sits, and he, and he um, looks at me. And I look at him. And he gives me a wink and a smile, right? Because, <laughs> be, you know, because we get it, right? This is part of the deal. And then And then, and then after the press conference, he's got guys around him and hi mark hi hi ron you know and uh, and then he says you know you toronto guys i t- mark i tell all these toronto guys the san jose writers knew a lot more about hockey than they do <laughs> and the toronto writers turning to like that's what? hilarious yeah after after ron and i had parted on not so friendly terms but he and i are facebook <laughs> friends now and uh, and uh, you know it, it's just it, it's it's what make covering hockey interesting right and, yeah, it comes with
0: the territory without a doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I you know that I don't actually don't miss the day-to-day stuff, but you do miss You know kind of having some of those relationships, uh, you know talking with guys about whatever they're in uh, uh, nabby And I you know, he's he's a really bright guy and could talk politics. He could talk books and uh, And we have really uh, good conversations about stuff other than hockey. And uh, I'm glad he's still connected to the team, too. What was the question? I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) sorry. That was the question. (laughs) I was asking you to tell me anything about, you know, what it was like to be with some of the greatest players in franchise history. And you, you didn't just talk about, you know, the status quo, you know, the legends like Thorin and Marlowe. But you yeah. named, not named John, that's a bad way saying it, but you definitely brought it back, that's for sure, with a lot of these names that some Sharks yeah. fans have. Um, some of the newer Sharks fans may not be familiar with, but I know a lot of those names that you mentioned are still you know, dear to me as a fan, not just in yeah. memory, but in my heart. Yeah. Um, really quick, Mark, do you mind if I stick around just a little bit longer? I want to take a quick break. I want to do a quick word from my uh, people here, and then uh, we'll be back in like... Uh, 90 seconds is that
1: sure i'll try not to ramble on when we come back
0: we're loving it we're loving all the content here i am aaron james i am joined with very special guest the legendary mark purdy this is the unfiltered conversation on sounds like sharks hockey courtesy of the hockey podcast network and shark city hockey we'll be right back don't go anywhere we'll be back in 90 seconds Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game, often required. Max bet $50. Ten plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com/baseball terms. Welcome back, everybody, to Shark City Unfiltered. I am having a great conversation right now with the legendary San Jose Sharks columnist for the Merc. That is Mark Purdy. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Merck Purdy. That's Merck as in the Mercury News. Purdy as in Mark Purdy. So, Mark, fans would generally agree that the last couple of seasons have been the worst in Sounds Jose Sharks history, okay? Yes.
1: So. Well, well other than the second season.
0: Right. So I was about to say, however, there've been quite a few seasons that I could think of that were more painful than being in the bottom four of the NHL standings. Um, Yeah. There were also better sharks teams that I can think of other than the 2016 Western conference champs. So
1: I agree with that also,
0: excluding the cup finals year in 2016, which season stand out to you as being some of the most disappointing and most
1: inspiring in sharks history. Uh, Ah, okay. Um, well you know the the, when you were covering the team aaron you know the the question was always like well, do you do you praise them for the all the regular season triumphs they had and and the you know for a while there there was a point where the sharks had won more playoff games than any other nhl team over that 10-year period but they'd also lost more playoff games than any other team over that that same 10 year period. Right. And so do you praise them for the games they won or do you criticize them for the games they lost? The answer is you do both, right. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you salute them for their success and you criticize them uh, for their failures. Um, in terms of the, I asked, uh, it's funny you uh, brought that up. because we're just talking about Evgeny Dabakov. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, obviously everyone would point to the uh, president's trophy winning season, right. Was that, Two thousand and nine. I don't have the yeah, record. two thousand eight, two
0: thousand
1: nine. Yeah, mine. and That's, you mine know too. that that um, you know that was the best team in hockey in the regular season, and uh, they should have certainly gone farther than the first round, and get, you know getting beat by Anaheim, right? Uh, but um, uh, N- Nabby, a stand a stand up guy, uh, you know. I remember after that playoff elimination, Anaheim turned out came into the season on a roll and they were tough out but the Sharks still shoulda beat them but he he at least he stood up and uh said you know we 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 stink right we we couldn't do this and it was interesting Rob Rob Blake was was he the captain of that? i think he was the captain of that team and i said he you was. know what's the deal and his answer was a good one and he said uh, you know that we're playing as well as we did in the regular season but there are not enough guys in this room that realize that's not good enough right that you need you need to raise it a level and not enough guys in the room realize that um you know you can be as good as you were in the regular season and we were really good but you can't that that is not going to cut it in the playoffs you still got to raise your game mm-hmm. so that was a bitter one it, the the uh i asked uh nabby uh, again yabakov you know, once about like or which of the teams did he think should have won the Stanley Cup of all the teams which of the teams and okay. he pointed a one, and again, you're going to have to help me, Aaron, on the exact year. But it was the year that they um, uh, lost to Colorado when Timo Solani was on the team, and he, he, he had an open net against uh, Patrick Roy and missed it. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? That,
0: I believe, was 2002-2003. Okay. Because um, so, the following year in 2003 uh, 2004, the Sharks went to the conference championship for the first time, and they eliminated the Colorado Avalanche right. in the second round.
1: Right. But Nabby thought that first time they played Colorado, um, that he thought that was the team that could have gone all the way. And um, the fact that you know Solani missed that net, after which I started refer to him for a while as Team Miss Solani, <laughs> which he didn't like <laughs> and probably <laughs> shouldn't have liked. Um, uh, uh he thought that was the team that that could have gone that and that was pre-thornton right. um uh, but they had uh, vince sam uh owen nolan of course and uh and owen you know he's there's another really interesting guy you know from northern ireland and all that and and i'm happy to say you know he he and i didn't always see eye to eye while he was playing since then uh you know whenever i see him we've it was great. You know, he I, mean, he, I covered him at the Olympics, too, when he want to go medal for Salt Lake City. But anyway, at Salt Lake City. But um, uh, that, so that, I went back and looked, and you know what? Navy might be right. Maybe that should have been the team. I would always say, and, that would, and this did not make Doug Wilson happy, I would always say, you know, remember there was a strike one year, remember, and there was no Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Oh, so four or maybe, 5. Maybe that was the year the Sharks were supposed to win right i
0: feel the same i really do
1: you know that was a certainly a lost opportunity and doug would say oh no you can't you can't you know say that i said well how do you know somebody was somebody was going to win that year it could have been you that could have been you." Uh, so the it, 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 it must, that so that isn't that weird the best the best chance they had to win might have been the year that they didn't play the stand of the playoffs they didn't have a stanley cup place but i i i still think you know on pure talent alone that that 9 team was the best team but um that was regular season and i i concede to nabby you know that 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 was a hell of a team that should have beat the avalanche that year because that if if solani puts that puck in that net they win that series most likely Mm -hmm. you know there was still time left but uh, so those those two and um i i think you have to say the 09 defeat was the most disappointing but there were so many others. And what about the year? Remember, they, they ended up, they were really good. There's another, of course, they were really good for a lot of years, a lot of seasons. Um, And they end up falling behind at Dallas in the playoffs, and then they were eliminated in that three-overtime playoff game in Dallas.
0: I want to um, say that was 2008 or so yeah, Nine.
1: Yeah. Jeremy Roenick was on the team. There was another character. Um, mm-hmm. And... uh I've had many of not just shark players, but guys that played for Dallas that I would run into or people or who was coaching in Dallas. They were, that was, a, I think a game, the game six, right? Mm-hmm. They, the, the consensus among both, uh, among a lot of the players who played in that game on both sides was that the sharks had won that three overtimes, mm-hmm. uh, won that game, they would have come home and won game seven. The the Dallas guys would have, you know, the Dallas guys thought that. And so that, but they lost that series because they would have this maddening habit, Aaron, of like what you know, one game, a series, they would just like kind of not show up, Mm -hmm. right? They just give away a game. You can't do that in the playoffs. You can't. Maybe that's too severe to not show up, but they didn't. They didn't treat it like a playoff game. Again, they treated it like a regular season game. They'd get like a two to two to zero lead in the series or three one lead in the series, and then just say, "Wow." And of course, uh, I haven't even mentioned the <laughs> the uh, series of shame with where they get ahead of the Kings three nothing, and then end oh, up blowing that. I, I guess. Do we have to was, put that at the top. Do we, is that your personal top? Because, because I think personally,
0: most- top three for sure. Because I went to every single home game of that series, and I did not expect the outcome to be that way. I will be one hundred with you. Yeah. Um, you struck, you struck all the right chords in terms of like my my teams. Because I just want to touch back on that President Trophies team because it was an amazing season. Uh, yeah. The Sharks got one hundred seventeen points. It was Todd McCollin's first year. Right, uh, he, he came from the Red Wings, and um, I believe they were off. Like they started twenty three and one, like they were just on a roll. And then right. they had six players with twenty or more goals.
1: Yeah, it was an amazing um, team. They yeah, were they were so much fun to watch.
0: Nabokov was a beast in net that year. I think he went like yeah. thirty or plus consecutive starts, but I know he had forty one wins and seven shutouts. Yeah. Like honestly, that President Trophy team, I thought was going to be the one. Uh, for me that is most disappointing. For me, the most inspiring. Um, and again, I know a lot of sharks fans, just to remind everybody from being in conversation, we are not we're excluding the twenty sixteen Western Conference champs.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, the, yeah, by uh, definition that's the I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, the, 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 I think probably the most inspiring. Being in there, were you at the, the clinching game against St. Louis with the that sent them to the finals?
0: Uh, In person, no I was not fortunate enough to secure a ticket (laughs) Okay,
1: well that was That was really great to be in that arena that night You know, I'm sorry you weren't there But there'll come a time, Aaron It'll happen again, I don't know when It'll happen again
0: I believe we're closer than um, A lot of people may make it out to seem
1: Well (laughs) I'm not sure about that I I mean,
0: as, as terms of like, you know Do I expect it to happen within the next two seasons? Perhaps not no. Um, but that's because our key, you know, our core key players are not ready yet. Yeah. Um, I trust Mike Grew's plan. I'm excited to have Mike Grew on board. Um, yeah. just because we've been through. So, um, you know, this is the first time in almost 20 years. I know I'm rounding up being a little generous there that we've had a new guy, you know, taking the car for a ride, so to speak. Right.
1: Right. Um, well, Mike, you know, Mike is a bright guy. Um, i remember when he played for the sharks a very responsible guy then when they when they did get eliminated he was always accountable and and stood up and i remember i remember asking him um one day um i mean we were just i don't know we were just talking or i was doing an interview and i said hey you know are you interested in coaching when you're done here because obviously you know you you see the game really intelligently and um you know, did you ever think about becoming a coach? He was, you know, when you're covering a team in any sport, you can kind of identify the guys like I'm convinced Joe Pavelski will be a coach one day. You know, he just sees the game that way. And and McGregor's McGregor's the same way. And he said, no, no, I don't want to be a coach. I'm that's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not that kind of guy, you know? Well, clearly Aaron, I asked him the wrong question, right? (laughs) (laughs) I never asked him would you see yourself as a general manager one day? You know, maybe he would have said yes, then I would have the scoop. Right. But, uh, I, I do think this, I think at some point Mike needs to have a, um, you know, sit down with the writers or, or if it's a fan thing and kind of lay out his, as much as he can, his exact plan. Right. Here's, here's how he sees things. Here's how I think it will work. Um, Uh, You can, you can tell by the moves he's making sort of what he's thinking, but I believe fans deserve that. And, um, you know, Doug was always, I thought, very accessible to fans. I know there were a lot of, you know, feelings, positive and negative about Doug, but I think he was always accessible to fans and would try to explain, uh, you know, his thinking on, on certain, certain things. And uh, he, I, and he would sit down with me and uh, he would, I would say, well, what do you see the team looking like in three or four years? And he would lay kind of lay out his general plan. Um, so I think Mike needs to do that, but uh, he certainly deserves a chance to put together something. I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about the whole Carlson thing? Do you want to see him play here next season or not? I want to see him play. I'm well, buying I, tickets. I want to see that. I would play.
0: like to see Eric Carlson in the sounds a shark sweater, don't get me wrong. However, I believe that it's apparent what he wants to do at this point in his career. Um, I was all for him. I supported him. I don't even know if the Sharks or if the oh, pardon me, or if the league is even prepared to take on uh, a contract like that.
1: Right. Um, personally, well, if you're going to trade him, I, yeah. I, I I think I anticipate what you're going to say, but go ahead and mm-hmm.
0: finish. Um. I, by all means, I would love to hear you, uh, what you have to think about. Well, it.
1: well, I, I think what you're going to say is like you know, if he can bring value back to the Sharks, that helps them in their in their buildup to whatever's next. That's good, and I think that's true. But I I would hold on to him um, through the trade deadline uh, next season uh, for a number of reasons. One is I think, well, first of all, you'll be paying much more of his salary, so whichever team takes him on won't have. You know, most of one year, Mm -hmm. they won't have to pay. And secondly, some team would probably pay more if they really think they're on the cusp. And then then you could send them to a team you definitely know is on the cusp. That should make him happy. And I mean, now they're in this crazy position where so they have this guy that won the Norris Trophy. He's your top, you know, star on your team and uh fans if 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 he might not be here on opening night for them to cheer right Mm -hmm. you know um that's interesting uh so i'd like to see him i i enjoy watching him play a lot it's 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 fun it's can be maddening at times because he's always going to try to make the hardest play possible (laughs) Mm -hmm. and sometimes that doesn't work when it does work. It's spectacular, but it's a, it's really fun to watch. And um, I, I, so I, I guess I, I'd like to see him at least start the, start the season in San Jose uh, just to give fans a chance to do that. And also maybe it'll, it would, uh, you know, give him a chance to get more back. Now, if, if somebody hands Greer a deal, he can't turn down, He can't turn it down, but I don't think they're going to get that, to you, with the salary that you have to pay that guy? and then, Unless the trucks have to give up some of their money, which then that creates a whole other situation.
0: Right. Um, I, okay, so I'm split. I always support EK65 even when it wasn't popular. I'm just going to say that right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but to me, I feel like and this is just from a spectator. I'm a fan and nothing more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it seems one, that The culture that Mike Greer is um, building is first and foremost, you know, the guys that are in the dressing room or, you know, on the squad, they have to want to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, You could see that this past season, his first year, because we're celebrating his first year as being announced as the general manager today, actually. um, You could see that that's been the case. You've had like Brent Burns walk in, ask for a trade. Um, the captain of the San Jose Barracuda, at least Joe on this is on Joe Will's side, you know, he was traded right apparently for personal reasons. I'm not going to get too far into all the names because there's more players out there, but the point I'm trying to get at though is, um, it seems like Mike Greer wants to make sure that the, that the guys that are wearing till want to be wearing till, at least that's the impression I'm getting. And he's his door is always open for those who you know are requesting a trade. Uh, Brent Burns probably being the biggest example of that now. Carlson, I don't know if this is just Trying to sell a piece, get some clicks or whatnot, but apparently he has formally requested a trade. I don't know if that's been confirmed.
1: Well, I, I no, he said publicly that uh, he would like to go to a team that had a yeah, chance cup. to win and the, win, the, win the cup. Right. But um, uh, if I were, if I were, okay. But the, then the question becomes, okay, so if you're paying your hard-earned money to go see a Sharks team next season in the early part of the season, where are the goals going to come from? Where is the offense going to come from, right? And mm-hmm. are you willing to pay your NHL prices to see them struggle that way? I mean, with with Carlson, at least, and, and and there, I think there is some value to having him around. He's a professional. Mm-hmm. And, okay – I don't think he hates playing here. I think he wants to go somewhere where he can win a Stanley cup. And if you tell him, look, if you start the season here and we get to the trade deadline and if things are the way all of us expect them to be at the trade deadline, we'll do the best we can to get you to a team that, you know, for sure is on the cusp. I mean, you could trade him to a team now that thinks it's on the cusp of winning a Stanley cup and next season, you know, doesn't go anywhere for them. Right. whereas if you wait then you know you know by march right
0: mm-hmm. which
1: which six or five or six teams have the best chance and you could maybe send in one of those teams instead of send them to i don't know name a team let's say let's say florida right let's say it's mm-hmm. florida okay well florida made the finals this year right that's mm-hmm. so they're good but do you you know what if you know, a couple of their guys get hurt. And so now you trade him to Florida and then their season goes south. Huh? No pun there. But uh, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so now now he's on a team that doesn't have a chance anyway. Right. So if you wait, if you if you wait, I think I think he would play hard. Uh, and I think he kind of enjoys uh, being the guy that other the younger players look up to. Mm-hmm. And I think he I, I don't know. Well, that said, if uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins offer the Sharks, you know, a number one draft pick and one of their better young players, and maybe two of them, then, you know, you got to think about it. But I don't think that's what they're going to, I don't think that's what teams are going to offer. Do you, given that salary?
0: No. As a matter of fact, um, And again, I don't even know if they'll have a full disclosure as to like how much the salary cap will increase. But from my understanding is there are some whispers out there saying that perhaps the Sharks are kind of waiting to see what the cap situation is going to look like going into the future. Um, This way they could kind of have a better, um, I guess the the most generic way of saying is a better grip on like who they could actually do business with. Yeah, that
1: that could be. And I, I respect what you're saying also about, you know. Greer wants guys who want to be with the team, mm-hmm. but, you know, my observation about Eric Carlson, who incidentally, I should add, I only like talked to once and it was when he was with Ottawa. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I've written been retired since 2017, but I could tell he's a professional, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, you know, he, the team was, the sharks weren't going anywhere in the last season and look at the season he had because he's a pro mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he, he shows up and tries to earn his money, which is what professionals do. I think as long as you hold out, that you know, as you have a seems like Greer likes to ha- does have open dialogue with these guys and explain. Look at the trade deadline; we'll take care of you the best we can. I th- I don't know. I think it sounds logical and rational. As a matter of fact,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he was skating in a San Jose Sharks uniform because that that contract situation. First, you got to find some, you know the interested party and you know the mm-hmm. the correct suitor. And then, um, like you said, there's just so many unknowns. So it does make sense to maybe keep them around for a while. Which I I honestly, I feel like maybe 75 to 80 percent of the noise out there surrounding trade rumors around Carlson is exactly what it is. It's just
1: rumors. Um, Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to talk mm -hmm. about. But absolutely. um, But uh, you know, I, I and plus, if I'm gonna pay money to see the Sharks play next season. Yeah, it'll be fun to see some of the younger guys, but mm-hmm. you know, you also want to see, you know, the Norris Trophy winner for Christ's sake. Exactly, right? You know, like, like the uh, you know, main event, that the main card. If yeah, if you're yeah, if you're marketing this team in terms of, you know, he's your top attraction. So I'll tell you what
0: Sharks fans will miss if they don't have an Eric Carlson on the ice next season. They'll miss a defensive player who has the ability to extend the play. He has the ability and the awareness to create um, opportunities where other defensemen were uh, unable to. He could read the ice so he could switch between defense and offense with his uh, his line mates. Yeah. Uh, that kind of dynamic uh, play is what got him the Norris Trophy. I know a lot of people like to talk about that plus-minus rating. Um, yeah, now, well...
1: Yeah, as you know, as you know, because you you know, I mean, you got to subtract all the minus numbers because he was on the on the ice for every empty net goal <laughs> that was scored against the Sharks at the end of every <laughs> game, right? I do so, have a
0: particular stance against that, but that's for another time. Okay, um, but
1: but but you know, <laughs> if he's on the ice at the end of every game, they lost a lot of games. Yes, they did. Uh, but he was on the ice for because he was on the ice at the end of all these games that. The empty net doors will score it. So in terms
0: just want to respond really quick in terms of like where we would uh, pick up in terms of who's going to score the goals. Well, I'm looking forward to that being, um, you know, that responsibility being inherited first and foremost by Tomas hurdle. He wasn't where he should have been last season. And I'm pretty sure he's looking forward to getting out there and putting the productivity, you know, getting, earning that new ink on that contract he got last season. As well as these new kids that'll be plugging in, I'm expecting Borderlow, hopefully to make the lineup. But William Ekman, without a doubt, is going to be on the ice, and yeah. I'm excited to see what these uh you know these young kids are going to bring. Yeah, I me think, too. Yeah, I think the Shark Tank, believe it or not, I think it'll start to turn around. I don't know how how soon or how fast, but I always believe that the Sharks have a chance. And um, I personally, I know it, statistics and. Everything may may say, you know, analytics may go against what I'm about to claim, but I feel like the Sharks will be, at the very least, in a wild card, if not Stanley Cup, you know, like, you know, contending for divisional spot, uh, divisional championship in the Stanley Cup, um, and in the Stanley Cup playoffs, pardon me, sooner rather than later. I want to say maybe max two to three seasons max. I don't anticipate don't anticipate. Well, I,
1: think, I think that matches up. You know, the I, I, as I say, I run into some of the Sharks people around town, both players and front office people. And I think when you talk to them, uh, you know, just on background, they, they know I'm not writing anymore. Mm-hmm. They're looking at two to three years before they're really, you know, contending to maybe even be in the playoffs again. But, but here's the other thing, Aaron, you know, what if Carlson comes back and some of these guys are, you know, there was a time when I remember that one season when the, they thought the sharks weren't going to be good. And that was when, uh, uh, you know, guys like Chichu and uh, uh, mm, see. This is you're talking to a 71 year old guy here. The, the who was the guy, the, the really good uh, young Czech player, and they traded him to Ottawa as part of the my uh, roster. Uh, anyway, they, they had a uh, Marco Sturm came up, and mm-hmm. like all these guys, kind of came up, and they had a much better season than people thought. So, what if Carlson comes back, and you know, now it's february january february and they're still within you know a few points of the playoff thing right so mm-hmm. that's possible yeah absolutely possible. not maybe really likely but it's possible <laughs> we but, can dream we can dream well yeah i mean you don't know what these guys right you just don't yeah. know i mean i uh, uh you know i i want to believe eklund will be able to score goals but I don't know. Bordeaux is not a real big guy. Somebody will take a run at him. I guarantee you. Yeah, without a uh, doubt. And we'll see. See how he responds to that. And if Carlson leaves, then who runs your power play?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely. The I'm asking you, right? who runs the power
1: play? I I don't I don't have an answer
0: for you right now because <laughs> he is the man. I mean, <laughs> he yeah. was involved in almost and almost plus, every freaking scoring um, goal this season. I forgot the but, percentages. And, and we,
1: and we haven't even talked about the goalie situation. So, um, yeah,
0: that's yeah. Right. We have so, Mackenzie Blackwood, supposedly Kapil Kakinen, and E2 I'm hoping, you know, gets an opportunity. But, yeah, um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of questions going into the season. Yeah. Um, who could step in and take the role of Carlson? I'm hoping Mario Ferraro will be the guy. I'm pretty sure a lot of us are hoping he'd be the one. But, yeah. he's been, you know, he's kind of been struggling himself. Um, but, you know, only time will tell, you know, maybe we get back together in uh, midway through the season and have another discussion where they're at. But um, I got two more questions for you tonight, Mark.
1: Yeah, OK, I'll try to be quick because, yeah, I know uh, people want to um, move on with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I could talk to you as long as you would like, sir. No, no, but, that's fine. Let's <laughs> this. Okay, all cool. right. Um, so uh, just briefly, really quick. So you, you know, you spend your career around Mr. Sounds a like shark, but yeah. there's also Mr. Hockey. What was it like, you know, what was experience like meeting Gordy Howe in a penalty box?
1: Oh, you know that story? Oh, did you read that story? Or how did you know about that story? <laughs> Cause I'm a fan, Mark. <laughs> okay. Well, God, God bless you. Uh, yeah, well that was when I was working in Cincinnati too. And uh, the Cincinnati had a WHA franchise, the old world hockey association, which eventually folded or folded four teams into the NHL, Hartford, uh, Edmonton, um winnipeg and what was the fourth one help me out um oh quebec <laughs> uh and um so they were desperate to have anything written about them and <laughs> those teams you know the cincinnati stingers uh in a town where there were major league baseball the reds and the nfl the Bengals, and the, the and the big college basketball so i said well you know um I'd, I'd like to write a column once where I could just go sit in the penalty box for a night just to see, you know, watch the game from there and see how that is. And uh, the Stingers were cool with that. So I ended up sitting in the penalty box for this game. It just so happened the Stingers and I were playing the Houston Arrows and Gordie Howe is on the Houston Arrows. And, of course, Gordie Howe gets in trouble goes in the penalty box, <laughs> comes to the penalty box, sits down, <laughs> and uh, looks at me and goes like, who are you, <laughs> you know? and i explained well i'm i'm here writing a column about it and he just kind of goes yeah yeah okay <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was it was so loose and but what's interesting was oh during the you know breaks and play the referee comes over and they're talking to Gordy. Gordy must have been in his what late 40s early 50s then you know and they're talking about well this restaurant i like this restaurant in this town you know where are you going to eat afterwards right um and uh but a, a very uh, pleasant experience with Gordie Howe in the penalty box who, as you know, great trivia question, right? Who was the first hockey player to wear a Sharks jersey, a Sharks sweater? It was Gordie Howe. Did you know this?
0: Yes, he um, yeah. was in Cupertino, I believe. Right.
1: Yes, exactly. Great question. And uh, you know, Gordie, you know, that that was a memorable experience just because of the circumstances. But he was always, he was always very pleasant to be around. I wouldn't want to Go in the corners against him but uh he uh you know he 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 was mr hockey he really was mr hockey much as patrick Marlowe was mr shark right mm-hmm. he was mr hockey that was that was a fun that was a fun column to write the bin of sin i think a night i think that's what i put on the as the headline a night in the bin of sin and uh you know because other stuff happened too but yeah never expect yeah the one of the greatest players in the world to suddenly be sitting in the penalty box Alongside, alongside right. and and the, and the penalty box attendant, right?
0: Okay, so, Mark. So, what's the other question? You. Before we conclude the show, this is the last question, all right? I would like to yeah. ask you. After a thirty-three year career at the Merck, where you provided coverage on fourteen Olympics, thirty-two Super Bowls, was named one yeah. of America's top ten sports columnists by the Associated Press and the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Along with your colleagues in the nineteen nineties, we mentioned top of the program, you won. The Pulitzer Prize and general news reporting for coverage of the 1989 Loma Prieta World Series Earthquake. And of right. course, all those memories and the columns of Los Tiburones. Can you share what it means to be the first journalist to be inducted in the San Jose Sports Hall of Fame?
1: Oh, my. Well, well, you know, thank you for mentioning all that. Uh, I'm I'm generally a modest guy who understands my place in the world. Um but i'm proud of the career i had um i'm pretty sure i don't belong in the san jose sports hall of fame with all these great athletes that are in there including Archer Zerbe, including i'm sure and patrick marlowe is going to go in this year and, mm-hmm. and nolan and uh and bill walsh and john elway and all these other guys I, i'm i'm damn sure i don't deserve to be in that hall of fame with them but i'm not giving back the plaque <laughs>
0: As a matter of fact for those watching let's uh switch that graphic so they can see it right here.
1: Yeah. Uh it was very nice. It was re- you know it was really nice for my family. They had to put up a heck of a lot, you know, with the travel of my job and so forth. People in this valley work hard. I know you work hard. it works hard. So I never like to say my job was harder or tougher mm-hmm. than anybody else, but there were demands on it and particularly involving time away from home uh that my family had to really deal with and uh was just stellar in the way they they did allowed me to have the career i did so that night was really great for my family when uh, the nighting induction and um I, I it's funny i walk around the arena and whenever i go walk by that plaque, i just kind of hide my head <laughs> know. people have to look at my mug oh man but anyway thank you for for uh bringing that up I, I I because I am I am proud of the career I had but I couldn't you know what I I, I mean this sincerely I could not have had it without the readers uh, anybody that spent you know five minutes to read any anyone any single one of my columns I appreciate I appreciated that I done. Never, never took it for granted um it was great to build a relationship with readers here where they uh trusted me to you know tell them stories and tell them what was going on and uh I will always cherish that. I still live in San Jose. I still run into readers around town. I always enjoy talking to them. If you see me, come up, particularly if you're wearing a Los Tiburones jersey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love to talk to you. So, um, so thanks.
0: Yes, thank you for your time, Mark. To the audience, this has been an unfiltered conversation about San Jose Sharks hockey with the legendary Sharks columnist, Mark Purdy. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Merc Purdy. That's Merc, like the Mercury News and Purdy for Mark Purdy. Again, follow him on Twitter at M-E-R-C-P-U-R-D-Y where you can find risky opinions on demand.
1: That's right. (laughs) Mark, thank you for your time tonight. It was a lot of fun, man. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You have a great rest of your evening. And to the rest of y'all out there in Shark's territory, till next time, I'm Aaron James, and this has been Shark City Unfiltered. Good night, everyone.